everybody, welcome to Niche Podcast about the one thing that I know something about, game shows, I suppose. I'm your host, Jordan Haas, uh, calling from, calling, recording from uh, weeks ago. Uh, so Pat Sajak is announcement, everyone's scared about that. Lots of game shows are now in development, and they're being filmed out of the country because of the writer's strike. But that doesn't mean we can't stop talking about Game Show Network original shows. Because I guess that's what we do. Yep. Anyway, uh, Raid the Cage is being opted out. I'm thinking it's probably going to be CBS. Uh, we also have uh, Loteria Loca also coming to CBS. So I'm guessing they're going to pair those two up. Uh, we are looking at the end of The Wheel on NBC. NBC has pulled the plug on the wheel. The wheel. So, hey, it's it's an okay day. Uh, so today's Game Show Network Originals. I it, look. Normally, I have like a connection of all of these. I don't. This is really a variety pack kind of episode. And the first game show we're going to be talking about is one that is very short-lived, but one that is fondly remembered because it's one of the rare GSN originals that actually took a, uh, to actually went into syndication. This is Snap Decision. Hey, remember Street Smarts, that hilarious game show where people on the street would ask really ridiculous questions and then we'd be laughing at them because they'd be being very stupid? Well, what about a show where there is no trivia? It's all about opinions. Welcome to Snap Decision, a game show hosted by David Allen Greer. This game show debuted in 2017 and ended in 2019. It was a two-season joint and was uh, executive produced by Scott St. John. Now, <clears throat> this is an interesting show because while it was a GSN original, it also wound up in syndication at the time because in 2017, the syndication market kind of blew up with a lot of game shows showing up at the time. Uh, there was this one game show uh, that Judge Judy tried to produce. Uh, there was another trivia game show I think came out. They tried to do an... Um, I believe that was when they tried to repurpose, uh, I was going to say Deal or No Deal, but not Deal. It was, um, well, I'm drawing a blank on my own podcast. This is great. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about Snap Decision. Uh, <laughs> Snap Decision is basically uh, street smarts, but with three total strangers and three contestants. Uh, the set, by the way, I will argue is one of the best looking sets on Game Show Network. It was this like cool, colorful set. Reminds me of Paid Off. Like it just the cool light bordered podiums. It was like to me. I oh I I'm gonna keep saying this. I'm getting tired of dark sets. I, I hate the black like linoleum floors and the spotlights. I get it. Millionaire was successful, but if you really want my attention now, go white, go colorful, do blends, do a wood floor, anything. But a black light and a little spotlight and just the classic game show LED light strip thing. It's getting boring. And Snap Decision was not boring. In fact, it was probably the most loud show I could ever think of that Game Show Network ever came out, except for maybe Whammy. So Snap Decision's all about Snap Decisions. Uh, there are going to be facts about 
random strangers. Uh, they you only know based on like who what their name is, how old they are, and what's their occupation. And then the first thing is basically a simple question of does this person prefer a ham and cheese sandwich or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? And if they're right, they win money, and if they're wrong, they don't make money. Uh, so there's two choices, and it's always these kind of either-or decisions. Like, hey, uh, if uh, would you rather have a pizza or a hamburger? Would you rather uh, go camping or go fishing? Things like that. Uh, and you get no clues about what their interests are, except for like that little introduction. If they pick the correct answer, because each contestant gets one, uh, they get a hundred dollars. And if they're wrong, they don't get any money. There are two questions for each stranger in the round, so there's six hundred bucks that can go into all the places. So it can be anywhere from six hundred. So it can be anywhere from zero to six hundred dollars. Everyone gets to play the same question. So I think they pick this. I believe their favorite fruit is an orange. And we go from there. So in round two, it's an elimination round. Uh, the contestants are told a fact about one of the strangers, but they must select out of the two people which one it was. So one of these two is a juggler. Who is it? And if you're right, you get $200. Um, and there are three questions in this round, meaning an extra 600 bucks, mean 1200 bucks is the total after round two. Whoever is lowest after this round is eliminated from the show. And of course, in the event of a tie, we have to figure out a snap decision. But instead of a stranger, it's David Allen Greer. David Allen Greer from In Living Color. D David, David Allen Greer, the, the comedy actor, Carmichael show. <laughs> David Allen Greer from Chocolate News. That David Allen Greer. Dave, David Allen Greer. He was in Dreamgirls. I'll just keep going. He was he was in Martin. Martin Lawrence's sitcom. Okay. Well, after the what does David Allen Greer think round, we have two contestants left. And now it's time to pick your pony. Kind of. Not really. The player with the most money after round two gets to pick of the three strangers and answers each question first. Otherwise, we go to a coin toss. Uh, there are three questions to each player in this round based on the stranger that they have selected. $250 for the first question, $500 for the second question, and $750 for the third. If the player gets their question correct, the money is added to their score. However, if they are wrong... By default, their opponent gets the money, so a guaranteed $1,500 could go either or. But here's the big catch. Once a player gets to $2,000 or more in their personal bank, the game is over and they win the game. The most a contestant can win is $2,700 through this game. Someone did the math. I don't... It's whoever can break the $2,000 threshold wins the game, keeps the $2,000, and moves on to the bonus round. In the final round, the player has 45 seconds to match facts with a correct stranger on either five, uh, with five uh, either-or questions. Uh, 
Uh, if the player accomplishes this, they get $10,000 bonus. Not just $10,000, a bonus $10,000. Rare for a GSN show to actually put out the extra $10,000 to make it $12,000 or so. Uh, if they don't, they get, uh, I think, $200 or so. Oh, they only get the money from the front game. Okay, so they only get the money in the front game. That's right. Well, you didn't win the 10000 but hey, you made $2,200. Yay, that's the show. Um, so it's 45 seconds. It's 5 and 45, but then later, because I guess it was more challenging and more easy because you don't want to pay out the 10000 they upped it to 7 Seven in forty-five to get the ten thousand. Yeah, if the player accomplishes this ten thousand, yeah, I already said that. Uh, the final round is the only thing I would say is just okay, because it's as it's a speed round and you're just picking left or right. It doesn't necessarily make for more comedic. Um, uh, format what i liked about the first three rounds was they were trying to get the opinions of strangers and then the and then the contestants saying very funny things like this guy with long greasy hair he looks like the kind of guy who lives in a van and that would be the kind of jokey answers and your stereotyping and there's your comedy bits the final round is just a speed round of 45 seconds ab and it doesn't necessarily make comedy it's just sort of just a way to get ten thousand dollars Personally speaking, if it was me, I would make the final round a little bit different. Ooh, I know normally want to change the show, but I like Snap Decision. But the one thing I would have changed was that final round. I get it. The $10,000 bonus, whatever. But I would rather have thrown more money out in hopes that someone gets a little bit more money. So in the final round, whoever has most money at the end of all the questions wins. And then it's final decisions. That's quote unquote the game. Final decision. In final decision, there's one last either or decision for each of the three players. If you pick one right, you get your money. Yay, you won your $2,000. If you get the second one right, we double the money. So it's like 4000 something something dollars. And then if you get all three right, we double it again. It's 8000 something something dollars. So you don't have to necessarily go for the $10,000 jackpot and make it 12000 You can have doubled it and doubled it and doubled it. With the catch being if you get one wrong... It's not the game's over, it's just you lose your double chance. So now there's two chances to get the money, and then there's one chance to get the money. So that way, the only way to leave empty-handed is if you screw up three times out of three in the final round. When in reality, most likely you would get at least one of the three right because of your performance in the show with an option to double it because you got two out of three with the big three being, oh my God, you got the full house. So you've won a big ton of money. Because then that'd be like 8,000 or so, or maybe you want to just go 16,000 because you double, double, double. That's how I would do it. Just one final question. You can try and make it comedic and make it still quote unquote serious by having dramatic lighting, but it's all like, oh, what did uh, Sally say? 
is the is the quietest place in her home, the bathroom or the bedroom. And then you have the funny joking, and they keep bantering and joking. So for four thousand four hundred dollars, you're saying the bedroom. Let's see, and then you would show the VT. That's how I would have done Snap Decision. It is a very fast-paced, funny game show. David Allen Greer, in season one, I think was a little more awkward because he didn't really know the show very much. And then as you see later episodes in season one, he finally gets the hook on why the show's funny. And in season two, please watch any season two episode of Snap Decision because it is some of the funniest episodes of game shows in quite a while. Because whoever they got for casting the show was great because they didn't i'm just gonna say it outright i don't think they got very smart people <laughs> to be the, the the strangers or the contestants and because they weren't really the brightest minds it made for the funnier answers because they were just saying what was the first thing off their head and it was so hilarious so to, to me that's what made snap decision more fun is just that it had more of a sense of Anybody can play. You don't necessarily have to be a genius to play. You just have to read the room and read the players. And I thought that was very fun. Plus, like a lot of the Stranger Things are very fun. Like, oh, uh, so-and-so used to be a child actor. And you're like, oh, that's neat. And you just learn some fun facts about Total Strangers at the same time. And I thought that's always like a fun little addition to the show. Even though you never really know the people... In the span of one half hour show, you get to know these three strangers on just a more elaborate level. That's way better than a Jeopardy get to know you four minute break. Uh, so for me, I, I think Snap Decision is fun. It's just that final round being that blank in 30. I think if it was just one winner take all question or three winner take all questions with the strangers that you had, it would be a much funnier show. Um, but again, it to me, Snap Decision is one of the guilty pleasure shows. I always thought it was a cute show. It read me a bit of identity. Anyway, uh, we're kind of in this weird mix now. I think by the time this episode airs, we'd already be starting Summer Fun and Games. Knock on wood, that means $100,000 pyramid. That means press your luck. I can't wait to offer my thoughts on that, but unfortunately, I'm recording these well into advance. So... All I'm going to say right now is, wow, I sure love Press Your Luck. It looks great. I love that studio because that's also where they're filming Price is Right and Let's Make a Deal in Family Feud. Though it's a little small roof, it doesn't matter to me. It still looks like a ton of fun. The next game show on our list is one game show that I actually saw from beginning to end, from concept to execution to immediate destruction when i was originally going to do a, a blog site called shiny floor game this was the one game show i reviewed for it so here is lie detectors liars club was a very successful game show in the 70s and 80s in which a panel of funny actors and comedians would try and tell bullshit stories to fool an audience of contestants to try and win some prizes and cash Segue to the year 2015, and GSN would make one of the biggest bombs ever on their network that only lasted 12 episodes and would crash and burn so much that they pulled the show 
and never air 22 other episodes. Welcome to Lie Detectors, a game show hosted by Rove McManus. Rove McManus is an Australian comedian who was famously a host of a late night talk show over there called Rove Tonight, I think, and was the host of Australian Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader. But on Lie Detectors, the audience composed of people get buttons and they get to answer A, B, or C on questions. And on each of the rounds, comedians would tell stories about a person, a place, a thing, or answer a question, or figure out a famous item. The simple stuff that you would normally have seen on Liars Club. Which one of these three facts about a president is true? Which of these actually happened in the White House? Which one of these uh, facts actually happened with this celebrity? Only one's telling the truth, and you vote A, B, or C. Whoever got the most questions in the fastest time at the end of the game gets $1,000 in the audience. So it's just like when sanity. Everyone gets to play. We, we also get banter with Rove in, com in, the, in the audience on what they think is telling the truth. It's funny. But whoever wins the $1,000 keeps the 1000 but gets the chance to play the bonus round for, say it with me, everybody, 5000 That's right. Even though we're going into the GSN minimum of $10,000 by now, this is the rare opportunity where Game Show Network decided to go to $5,000. 5000 in the audience. Audience participation game show based on who's telling the truth. And the show flopped so much, they couldn't they couldn't play out all the episodes. So there's 22 episodes where 22 audience members probably didn't get paid a thousand bucks. Well, at least they saved twenty two thousand dollars on the show. Uh, so it's I don't know what's the best way to describe this. They were trying to make lie detectors the start of a new afternoon block where they were going to have new episodes every day, Monday through Friday, which is fantastic. I mean, I, I'm sure a few GSN shows do that. Switch has done that. People Puzzler has done that. The strip Monday through Friday and you do it for eight weeks. You're good. But lie detectors. Um... What's the nicest way to put this? Sucks. And was boring. The worst thing you can get for a game show about audience participation and comedians trying to bluff people is to make a show boring. And Lie Detectors was very boring. I know I said whoever gets the most right wins but typically speaking there were about three to five questions i think if i remember correctly it was four questions each game just four so if you got one wrong you're not really going to win the show so whoever gets the four right obviously has a chance to win but it's whoever answered it the fastest so essentially speaking lie detectors is not about who's good at detecting the lies and who's telling the truth but who can push 
and randomly guess A, B, or C the fastest time four times in a row. And what has happened time and time again, according to the reports, that's how the people won. They just randomly select B, they randomly select C, and they just hope for the best. That's it. It's not like 1% club or everybody's equal where you just knock out the contestants and that's it. Um, now, that being said, this was the... This is lie detectors as the cheapest option possible version of lie detectors. If I remember correctly, and I could be wrong here, Lie Detectors was originally an audience participation game show where there were three contestants lying. And much like um, 101 Ways to Leave a Game Show or Ultra Quiz, uh, if, the if the audience members were to pick a, a wrong person, uh, a funny punishment would happen, like a flower would be dumped on them. And, oh, they're out of the game. And that would continue playing. So... Uh, we would drop them in the pool, or they would be flying away. They would be going in the school bus out of here. Because originally, I think this was based on a Japanese game show. But it's not really the Japanese format, because they don't really do the hilarious punishment. And it's audience participation of them sitting down on a keypad. The comedians don't interact much. They just sit in a chair next to screens, reading a teleprompter, poorly, might I add, making it one of the worst game shows. Is Rove a bad host? No. Are these comedians that they booked terribly? Somewhat, but others were really trying their best. The problem being there's not a lot to work with when it comes to a lie detector game show that's based on audience participation and you're just trying to pad for time because you only have a few questions. A game show network audience probably wants these questions to be answered very fast, like maybe a minute to two minutes. And we are going to have one question dragged out for six minutes. That makes for a very boring show. And additionally, it just makes the show uninteresting to watch when there's other game shows out there. So when the audience for GSN's lie detectors was, according to reports, the lowest in a decade on that hour, they moved it to 11 o'clock on Saturday nights to burn off the shows. And then... When they tried to burn them off on Saturdays, the viewership was so low, they pulled the plug again. So there's unaired episodes of Lie Detectors. So what went wrong with Lie Detectors? Simply put, slow pacing, an uninteresting format for audiences, and even though there is a play along of who's telling the truth A, B, or C for you to play along with, you won't get that result until five to six minutes, and it's not necessarily like uh, to tell the truth, where you can play along and guess who's telling the truth and who's being honest, and there's like a fun little, uh, like, a, like a fun interview going on. There's no human interest on this, and a lot of the facts 
are the kind of trivia knowledge that is like the stuff people kind of already know in most trivia circles that it just becomes boring. Did you know that Slinky was created by a military guy with a box coil from a mattress? Hey, did you know that, like, uh, the, the original intention for Bubble Wrap was actually to be wallpaper? Oh, wow. That kind of facts. It made for a very boring show. Uh, Rove is a great host. He hosted Australian Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? The comedians, I think, would be better if they had material to work with, but you're getting comedians to tell, to read stuff out and come up with the pre-written jokes that don't either fit their character or not. Plus, it, it, these are comedians. I'm pretty sure they could have pumped up their own jokes better. But I'm guessing they didn't because this was done on the cheap. So, hey, comedian, do you want to make a quick 500 bucks? Please show up to, I'm going to guess, um, Selmar. And we'll play this bad game show. It was, it's not good. And normally I try to find a positive with the show. I think the positive for lie detectors was they, um, they got Rove. They got Rove McManus. That was, that's, is that a good, is that positive? Is it? I don't. I don't know. Please watch Liars Club instead. I think the show was so bad that they didn't even air it on the game show channel. They just got rid of it. I don't know. It, it, maybe I'm noticing a trend here of maybe getting foreign at, like comedians to be game show hosts just doesn't work. Hey, Rove, very good on Fifth Grader Australia, but not good on this show. Um. Uh, Although maybe it would be better on some other show. We do not know. Anyway, um, it, it's a weird summer right now. But that doesn't mean we can't have a bit of fun. What was one of the best things to do when you were, when you were in the summer? Personally, I remember people really getting excited about the mall. Now, I want to talk about one of my uh, most uh, weirded game sh weird game shows. Uh, Chris Harrison hosted this one. It's called Mall Masters at the Mall of America. So it was the year 2001. And Stone Stanley it has a good track record with mall-based game shows. Uh, the most popular one would be Shop Till You Drop. But also there was Born Lucky. A short-lived show, I believe it was on Lifetime. But Game Show Network wanted to get involved, and this would be the first of a game show hosted by Chris Harrison before he became the bachelor guy and before he ended up getting replaced with the baker guy. Anyway, let's read the description. Hey, this is mall masters at mall of America. That's a, even though the short lived is, is called mall masters. According to Chris Harrison and others, the full name of the show is Mall Masters at Mall of America. And all of the questions would be taking place in Bloomington, Minnesota. Home of, you guessed it, the 
America Dream Mall in New Jersey. No, it's, of course, the Mall of America, because at the time it was America's largest shopping mall. And it's not like malls are still a thing anymore. Sorry, New Jersey, with your American Dream Mall. All right, so uh, it's actually a really cute show. So uh, there was a survey question made up of shoppers at the Mall of America with three choices. Someone would buzz in and pick the most popular answer, and they get control of four stores inside Mall of America. If they're incorrect, the correct answer is revealed, and the other two players get another survey question. <clears throat> so whoever gets control gets to pick one of four stores inside the Mall of America. Uh, it's kind of like shop till you drop, in a way. So it, it's kind of like, uh, hey, you can go shopping at the mall. Where do you want to go? Uh, in each of the stores, there's a shopper, someone that they picked kind of like street smarts, uh, to represent the store and be a shopper. <clears throat> and they get to appear via closed circuit camera. They would team up with a contestant to answer a basic general knowledge question that's somewhat associated with the store. So in other words, like, hey, you're going to, um, let's just say, uh, what would be a, nine, a 90s era hot topic? So it'd be about music. Or you're going to, uh, let's see here, uh, you're, you're going to pick the GameStop, so here's a video game question. I guess that's the best way to describe it. Anyway, the shopper would give their answer to the question. The contestant then either has to agree or disagree with that answer, just like on the Hollywood Squares. If the, if the contestant disagreed, they had to choose from the other three possibilities that were also given. If the contestant chose the correct answer, they scored points. Once the store was picked, it was gone, and another store would take its place. But here's the catch. If the shopper, who is the one that got chose, got their question right, Regardless if the contestant got it right or wrong, they get a $50 gift card to the Mall of America. So it's kind of like a ambush game show somewhat. Uh, but as they get $50 if they're right, the in-person in-studio contestant gets points, not money. <laughs> not money, points. In round one, it's 100 points. And in round two, points are double. 200 points. Yeah, you know where we're going at with this. Round one's worth 100, round two's worth 200, and there were five questions in each of these rounds. So up to 1,500 in the first two rounds. Going into the third round, well, can you guess what we're doing? Did you say a bullshit catch-up round? Well, you're right. But it's not really a bullshit catch-up round. It's actually kind of an easy-going one. Because if you've ever seen Shop Till You Drop, you know what we're going with. 90 seconds on the clock, general knowledge questions were asked, and first player to buzz in gets 100 points. If they're wrong, though, the other players have a chance to answer with the re two remaining answers. You know, like, um, kind of like what, the, what was the uh, best way to describe it is the Russian roulette second season trivia. Alvin, Simon, or Theodore... Which one is the last name of a famous musician who sang Mrs. Robinson? And then you would go from there. Uh, if they're correct, they win the game, and then there's a tiebreaker and all that good stuff. So so that's it. It's, remember, these are all points, not money. <clears throat> to win money, you got to go through the bonus round, where there's a $5,000 cash prize at stake. So... There are nine questions left 
all regarding one store in every way possible. Each question had two possible answers, and choosing the correct one uh, would score a check mark on that question. However, choosing incorrect or failing to answer in 10 seconds, you get a strike, three strikes, you end the bonus round. But if the contestant got seven of the nine questions correctly, in other words, you cleared them, you you cleared them all. You got you went through all nine questions. You win five thousand dollars, and also you get video, some B-roll of people clapping, going, "Yeah, go you!" But if you fail, you get uh, three strikes in a row or whatever. Uh, then whatever happens, you get one hundred dollars for each correct answer you got in the bonus round. Yes, it's theoretically possible that a shopper in the Mall of America could win over all three contestants in the studio. If someone were to just burn out and get three questions wrong, one after the other after the other. I will be honest, the first time I seen Chris Harrison on this, I thought it was Chris Hardwick. But it isn't. Uh, however, I would say he has a very likable personality on this show, and it's a very cute, easygoing show. The set, though, I would say at the time was, uh, I would say even though it was 2001, was very um, GSN branding would be the safe way to say it. Like It's like not really industrial, but a lot of uh, blues and reds and yellows. It reminds me of GSN's interactive game shows at the time. Like, um, actually, let's just, you know, I, it's, it's a quick trivia game, agree or disagree, Mall of America kind of game. Let's actually talk about the interactive games for a second, because I don't think I'll ever get the chance. The set of the GSN interactives, a lot of the time it was really cool, because at the time, you'd be showing reruns of these game shows, and they would actually kind of, some poor guy had to put all the questions onto the these boards and try to make like a interactive scoreboard that would be in the, uh, in the shows. But sometimes they had original games. I remember they had something like Beat the Deck, which was kind of just card sharks higher or lower. There was a game that was kind of like um, Othello, but with uh, opinion questions called Opinionation. And um, let's see, there was one called uh, Poker Face that was all about getting correct answers. It was kind of like what Poker Face the game show would be. Um, but the one I remember, and this is the one that kind of got me thinking about these uh, play-to-win games. You, you don't have to pay, but uh, it reminds me of Phrase Frenzy because of the uh, way that there was these build-your-own-characters and how it all looked uh, and the set dressing being this like weird industrial and shining lights all over the place kind of thing. And that's the kind of thing that it reminded me of. Special thanks to Zeke Games, I guess, for that one. Um, but it's ended. Uh, so, to me, that's what Mall Masters reminds me of. And the set's very cute. Uh, they were trying to make it like this lighthearted, I wouldn't say street smarts, but I would say just this nice kind of game. But it only lasted, I think, 40 episodes. It didn't last more than one season. Uh, partially because it was a very dull concept. There was not, there's no stunts, okay? It's not like there's stunts like shop till you drop. But additionally, there wasn't really uh, much to go off of in terms of just here is a screen, now let's talk to this person. And that's it. Um, but the questions were very fun. And at the time, 
a lot of it was fashion questions, uh, in the no celebrity questions who were endorsing some products in the mall. And that was it. And I think ultimately that's the thing that would be its downfall is the questions being written in a way that it just sort of, what's the best way to describe it? It's, it's current, but also not anything that makes you go, oh, it, it, it's a most dry quiz game based on commerce. I wish it was more like prizes, like, hey, you win a gift card to this store, or, hey, because you got the question at Banana Republic, right, you get $50 at Banana Republic. And even if it's just these small little prizes, it would have made more sense. But maybe just budgetary reasons or just no reason to. But I just think it'd just been funny if there was, like, Mrs. Fields, and then you can answer questions about cookies. I think they did that once, maybe. But that's that's it. It's just a very dry show. But what makes it very stand out is one, it's at the Mall of America in real time air quotes to the show. And two, it was the start of basically Chris Harrison's game show hosting career before he made some very racist tweets and ended up getting fired. But that's it. Mall Masters. Also, um, is it too late to say I like, I like Shop Till You Drop? But every single time people call Shop Till You Drop or Mall Masters, uh, they always call it, uh, um, they either call it Shopping Spree or they call it uh, Mall Madness. I hear Mall Madness all the time when it comes to a game show. Mall Madness is a board game and not a game show, although I think it would be a very funny, weird game show to try. But no, that's the game where everyone gets the card and they have to push a button, move five, move eight. There's a sale at the sporting goods store. That, that, that's Mall Madness, um, which was supposed to teach kids about uh, being thrifty and also a bit of luck. They, they made a reboot of that board game, I think, like seven years ago, and it's not that good. And I'm not really that fondly remembered, I don't think. But the like the 90s and 80s versions, absolutely. But that's not Mall Masters either. Although, if they could somehow make Mall Madness into a game show, I would definitely watch it. Wow, a show's so short-lived, it's more like a dead Mall Masters. Do you always still watch those dead Mall videos? I, 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 it's a guilty pleasure of mine to watch those, but the more I, I look at them, the more it's just sort of going from, oh yeah, I remember that. I went to that in the 90s and 2000s to more like, oh, those are termites and th that is very unsafe to stand right where that escalator is. Oh, that's sad. Anyway, the last game tonight is one that's actually still on the air, although the original version was not. We're going to kind of do like a two-in-one on this one as its best ever trivia show, but then it becomes Masterminds, and I think this is one that I really enjoy. The year is 2019. Game Show Network would end the chase. The long-running game show that was an adaptation of the UK game show with Brooke Burns and Mark Labette. People say that is the best game show network original, even though it's just, you know, the UK game show put in America. 
Obviously, the chase is now continuing on the air on ABC and has updated with more money. Uh, a lot of people forget that James Holtzauer was once a contestant on the GSN version of the chase. Um, but now he is a chaser himself. But what happens to a lot of the contestants from the chase? What happens to a lot of famous Who Wants to Be a Millionaire contestants and Jeopardy champions once they kind of fall out of the wayside? Can there be a game show like Eggheads here in America that's not necessarily Eggheads? Well, there was Best Ever Trivia Show and then later Masterminds, both of which kind of have the same premise. There's three contestants and three masterminds or whatever you want to call them, trivia experts. And the whole premise is they all get to answer questions in the Trivia Dome. Uh, there are questions and then you answer said questions. In round one, people who lock in with the correct answer get 50 points and then if the expert gets the question right, 100 points. If the trivia expert gets the question wrong in round two, we double it, 100. And if the expert gets it wrong, 200. In round three, the contestants have the option to go with the trivia expert's answer or go with their own. If they go with the expert and the expert was right, they get 200. And if the contestant locks in an answer on their own and they're right, they get 400. They don't have to use the trivia expert. Whoever gets the most points goes on to the ultimate trivia challenge where they pick an expert and five questions. All you got to do is get more correct answers than the expert. Can you beat Ken Jennings? If so, you get $10,000 and you come back for the next episode. If you uh, when I think three, you become a trivia expert on the show. Um, <clears throat> if the contestants have tied at the end of five questions, the contestant must answer one multiple choice question correctly, pre-selected by the trivia players, as something a trivia expert would likely know. Uh, but so far, no contestant has won more than just one bonus round. Oh, no shit, because it only lasted one season. That's right. Uh, it, it ended. But, hey, Masterminds, it's still going on to this day. In fact, I... I think this might be one of the more longer-running Game Show Network originals. Now, it originally started in 2020, so they took a break for one year and came back. It's the same theme song as Best Ever Trivia Show. They modernized the set from Best Ever Trivia Show. Uh, the Game Show is no longer called Best Ever Trivia Show. It's called Masterminds. The podiums are now different. They actually was one of the first game shows to come back during the pandemic with the spaces and everything. And there is a tablet. So, in round... And they also have now six contestants, and they all have different nicknames. Uh, Ryan Chaffee, the Scholar. Jonathan Korbla, the Chess Wizard. Ariana Hot, the Headmaster. Ken Jennings, the Trivia Legend. Muffy Morocco, the Historian. And Lakarta Pam, the Doctor. Ken Jennings would be in most of these episodes, but they're not including Mark LeBette showing up for season three. They added Mark LeBette. They added a whole lot more contestants. Some were Jeopardy champions. Um, anyway, in the new version of the show, because let's just face it, it was very boring to have a buzzer, and the whole premise being if you're right and they're wrong, you double the points. They changed the format just slightly now. It's a new game show, I'm putting in air quotes, but 
pretty much everything but a different host. Sherry Shepard was the host of Best Ever Trivia Show, and now it's replaced by Brooke Burns from The Chase. She's back. Three contestants face off against three trivia experts, just like in Best Ever Trivia Show. The winning contestant goes on head-to-head in the final round for the Ultimate Trivia Challenge. Just like Best Ever Trivia Show, there are three different rounds of play, and scores carry over from previous rounds next. In round one, there are seven multiple-choice questions, each in its own category, and asked to all six players. Everybody gets to play. No hands on buzzers. Players secretly punch in their answers on their podiums. Correct answers earn 100 points. Incorrect answers aren't penalized. Everyone gets the scores. In round two, five questions again, each in their own category, asked again. So points are double. But this time around, players must signal in to respond. Only the first contestant and the first expert will respond. And this time, both respondents must write their responses on their podium's video screens. Once both answers are revealed, the correct answer is given. On the first four questions, there were 200 points, while an incorrect answer loses 200, so there's risk now. In the fifth question, the stakes double to 400, win or lose. At the end of this round, the contestant and expert with the lowest scores are out of the play, so now it goes from three to two, both on the civilian side and in the masterminds side so the three becomes two so basically you're trying to get is like a mini tournament of champions kind of thing going in the masterminds arena so hey guess what matea matamodio amy schneider sam buttry maybe they can all go on mastermind now and do the same thing they're doing on jeopardy masters every day for season five <clears throat> In round three, the two remaining contestants, both on the mastermind side and on the civilian side, will go against each other with the with the chance to basically win more. So there are general knowledge questions of increasing difficulty and point worth. Each pair gets their own set of questions and six seconds on the clock. That's right. Just like every GSN show, round one, 100 points, round two, points are double, round three, bullshit catch up round. First questions for 500 points. No penalty for wrong answers, but every question thereafter is worth 100 points. So 600, then 700, and so on. If time runs out when a question is asked, it is considered incomplete. The civilian and the expert with the highest scores in each of their respective 60-second showdowns goes on to the ultimate trivia challenge. We now read the ultimate trivia challenge showdown. The remaining experts sequestered off stage while the remaining contestant has five general knowledge questions. The responses are recorded, but they aren't revealed as correct or incorrect till both players have answered. No time limit in answering. Oh. So ba- oh, this is season one. They changed it season two where they both would read the questions and they both would write the answers. We're going to go with the new version because that's better. Instead of just, hey, they go backstage and then they do this. Each player earns one point for correct answer, no penalty for wrong answers. The contestant scores more correct answers than the expert. They get 10,000. And the opportunity to return next episode. If the expert gives more, they get 1,000. That's right, 1,000, 10,000. It's every GSN original. In case of a tie, one additional question called the ultimate trivia question is asked of the contestant only. If they can answer correctly, they win. As of its predecessor, if any player can win three shows, they retire undefeated and may be considered to replace one of the existing experts in the lineup. <clears throat> 
In season two, the hosts read five questions one at a time. The contestant mastermind are both on stage writing the answers just like round two without the whole buzzing in part. Just like the show, if they both, you need to get more to win. If you tie, though, the new rule is that it's considered a loss. There is no sort of best ever final question. It's just you lost. You 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 draw. Oh well. Uh, season three included Mark Labette, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, they changed the ruling now that you have to win two games to become a champion. So a game show that was all about, hey, we can find our own trivia experts and be our own chase and be our own eggheads has yet to find a mastermind until they finally gave up and said, sure, let's lower it to two. Maybe that will help because it's impossible to win. I think it's very funny for me that Ken Jennings is is on three game shows. If you really think about it, at the time he was doing masterminds, he's doing the chase, and he was a consultant on Jeopardy. And then later he would end up hosting Jeopardy. But as of currently the recording, he's still technically a mastermind on masterminds, but he's no longer on the chase. Maybe you can't have the host of Jeopardy be a villain on another rival game show. We can get James Holtzauer do and Brad Rutter. Um, but I, I, it's weird to me uh, that masterminds would keep trying to have the beat the experts thing. I, I mean, I get it because it's a fun like it's two game shows playing at the same time. The civilians playing against each other and the experts playing against each other. So every game is like a regular ass episode of Jeopardy in a tournament champion style game show. To me, that's the big hook of Masterminds. It's it's two game shows play at the same time and eventually one person wins and it's kind of like this sudden meet against the middle final round, which is fun. Brooke Burns is one of the, is probably one of the better game show hosts that GSN has ever had. And I, you always wonder, like, she, she was the doggy dog lady, and then she just nailed it on the chase and on masterminds. And she is a great kind of personality that I think just gets the short end of the stick when it comes to game shows. Masterminds is a very, very passive game show. All the questions are on screen. You don't have to really pay close attention, you can play along if you want to. The scoring system still doesn't match. And just like every GSN show, someone can come from behind by answering like two questions and that's it. Personally speaking, I, if this was me, hey, hi guys, it's me, Joran. I think Masterminds should definitely continue being a Game Show Network original for as long as possible because Masterminds' whole focus is on game show experts. They tried this a lot with Grand Slam, for instance, and I, I love the idea of getting three expert people on stage to play a quiz show against civilians and have that be the game, because to me, that makes a much more intensive quiz. And because this is Game Show Network, which is all game show reruns, you can have a lot of contestants in the entire history of games or at least in that last 20 years be the new masterminds and just keep the rotation 
personally speaking, as much as I love seeing Jonathan and Muffy play Masterminds with Ken Jennings, it just sort of just feels like the same old, same old every episode. I personally, and this is just me, would want to have a huge cattle call and have like 20 or 30 Masterminds show up and have that be the rotation. So you may not necessarily get Muffy or Jonathan every episode, but maybe you get like a John Carpenter or you get Sam Buttry and you get like these icon, you get Amy Schneider to be on Masterminds. So that way there is a rotation of experts. You get people who were on the chase. You get Victoria Gross to show up. You get James Holtzauer to show up. You get some of the chasers to show up on Masterminds. You get, because that way, it feels like if you win the civilian and you beat the expert, it feels like, hey, you beat a legendary trivia champion. You're in that Hall of Fame. Also, I am tired of a thousand and ten thousands. Hey, if it was me, I would just make a cash points. The cash be the points. Hey, you won $2,200 in the front game. This is your chance for immortality as a mastermind. You get a trophy and you get the jackpot. And you just have a rotating jackpot show up. Like, that's all you need to really do. Because it seems like masterminds, no one fucking wins the show. Of course, jackpots mean that games go out of place and there's no sort of ways for continuity because, well, we need to have the $10,000 straight price. But what difference does it make if you have returning champions? You're supposed to then air that in repeat in order because so, now you have your champion. So personally speaking, if you have a returning champion, just have a progressive jackpot and have the cash prize be based on the points that you've won in the front game. Hey, you made uh, 1,800 points. That's $1,800. Now we're playing for, well, no one has beat the trivia experts yet, and now we're at $26,000. If no one wins, $1,000. Next episode, we're playing for $27,000. You don't have to go huge money. Just add 1000 bucks, and then reset it to 10000 and just redo the game again and go from there because i think that's how you want to do the show is have like the best of the best from all aspects of trivia shows go on not just jeopardy but like yeah the famous millionaire contestants famous chase contestants and just make masterminds into the uh, game show network beat the masters kind of show that it should be it's supposed to be a celebration of game shows and we rarely get that on Masterminds. But, I mean, getting the Beast there was a great catch. It was a great book. Just expand that. Go all in. Go go gung-ho and get as many people as you can. And that just about does it for tonight's GSN Original Lookup. So, what was your favorite of these four? Let me know in the Discord. If you want to hear uh, the archive episodes, it's available every Monday. But if you want to get way ahead of the game, check it out at patreon.com slash Jordan Haas. Hopefully next week will be a brand new episode of this show. Until next time, this is Jordan Haas signing off saying big smooch. Mwah.